0: ZipRecruiter is a proud sponsor of Without Warning Podcast. Use code word WOW and search for jobs anytime, anywhere.
1: The Lauren Agee case was hastily closed by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain with private investigator Sheila Waisaki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Lauren. This is Without Warning. Warning. The following episode contains details about sexual violence and elements that are graphic in nature.
0: As always, I want to thank you for listening to Without Warning, the Lauren Agee case, sending in tips and sending in tapes. I also want to thank my Patreon people for continuing to look at the case. Chris Yarchuk and Ryan Melanson put everything at risk by coming forward and doing the right thing. Sheriff Patrick Ray and Jeremy Taylor did not do the right thing. They botched this investigation. Those four men all took the same oath to protect and serve. Who was there to protect and serve for Lauren? And when those two officers started asking questions, they got a major smackdown in the community and professionally. It is not too late to right this wrong for Lauren, for Sherry Smith, and for these two officers. On this episode, we're going to pick up where we left off with Chris Yarchuk talking about Lauren's body being discovered. While you're listening to the tape, remember, this is the first time Chris Yarchuk and Sherry Smith have ever talked to each other. Chris is very emotional about sitting there with Sherry Smith, talking to her about her daughter's death. So how did this personally affect you knowing Lauren beforehand, you know, meeting her beforehand, seeing her personality, having it come through, and then seeing her in the water like that.
2: Having met Lauren um, the night before we pulled her body out of the lake, um, she was just so fun-loving and outgoing and bubbly and personable, and um, so, and, and speaking with her a few times that evening, you know, you just, you come across people in, in life that impact you in the littlest ways and just never forget the moments. Having it possibly be her, getting the ID, seeing the face again, and then um, recognizing it out of the water, it's um world lost a, a great person. And um, you can't help but think that just the wonderful things she would have accomplished and the person she would have become in the field that she was interested in. Um, with a personality like that, you, know, you reach people.
0: I'm gonna go get tissue. I, I know where some is, so hang on. Are you okay, Sharon? There were several times that we had to stop the tape because of the emotions in that room. This was one of them. As a police officer, people think that it's just a job and it's just duty, but it is personal, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can't unhear things, you can't unsee things. Stuff just piles up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the caseload never ends, and it's... Move on
0: to the next. So my last hard question, which I think this is the hardest. Um, You're a mean person. I know. <laughs> I've been told that before. What's it like to have to talk to a parent about a child's death?
2: You always want to tell them the right thing. You, always, you want to tell them what they want to hear. Sometimes you can't. So I look forward to the day that we can, we can tell Sherry that They've been caught and they're charged and they're paying for it. Although that seems like a little bit of justice, but it's closure and that's the most important thing I've noticed is the closure.
0: You're a human being dealing with a family and knowing the things you know, it's difficult, I would think, to come forward and talk about it.
2: Yes, I'll do anything for anybody. Any day of the night, any time of day of the night, there's a lot you just sometimes you can't do. I know how I feel, um, but sometimes it's hard to get it out, I guess, when you're so used to compressing so much.
0: Do you feel like this case has cost you professionally and personally?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, especially in a small town, small area where I'm coming from, where I was at. But professionally, I work hard and I always tend to succeed no matter where I go what I do so typically I just I try to stay happy and help and do as much as I can to help others so professionally I mean I can get a job anywhere personally and like I said before you meet certain people in the world and they just have an impact on you instantly um they you know they're just your kind of people so Lauren was that you know just she was like a girl version of me really because I've always just been bubbling running around and goofing off and fun-loving person. Immediately, I re- could recognize and identify with
0: it. How do you feel about the criticism from coming forward?
2: <laughs> I don't care what people think or say about me. If, um, there's been times in my life where I've not said stuff. There's been times in my life where I've said too much. <laughs> I mean, um, the mouth's a funny thing, but um, in this case, I feel... There's just nothing right about it, the way it was handled, how it's been conducted. And I'll take the chastising publicly for whatever. But I do feel that one day there's, the real truth will come out. The whole truth will come out. And and as long as the family gets what they deserve, best possible scenario.
0: The band stop playing when the, the bar closes, correct? Yeah,
2: typically the band stops. Yeah, we'll do last call. Uh, 15 minutes, typically 30 minutes. Band breaks down. Everybody leaves. Um, we do have house music sometimes we put on. Sometimes we don't. But at the end of the night, we typically don't because then people want to stay and listen to it. Right. I usually stay when the bar closes and we shut the doors. They count down the tills. Other girls make their cash drops. I walk them over to the safe. They drop the money, lock the store. It could be up till 5, 5.30 in the morning sometimes. And Also, there's at least two officers typically there with them while they're counting the money in the building.
0: Was there anything suspicious that night? Did you see anything? Did you think anything? Or was it a normal night?
2: Um, No, I mean, the mood was, in my experience being there, it was a normal, it was winding down. You know, Wakefest was winding down. So it's, uh, they had one more day left. The pros were already done. So it was going to be just local, amateur. So it had actually gotten... Quieter because it was obviously busy throughout the whole weekend, and then that Saturday, um, just extremely packed people everywhere. Um, I mean, it just it did. I didn't have a sense or a feeling of any unordinary an like I, I, any other night that I've had down there. I mean, it's nothing hit me. I didn't feel weird. Nothing struck me as odd. I mean, it was just a bunch of kids being kids.
0: Did anybody come to the bar after it was closed?
2: Not that I recall, absolutely not.
0: Remember, one of the stories was Lauren went back to the bar after it was closed.
2: It was the end of the night. We are clearing out the bar, and almost everybody already left. Um, and they were one of the last groups to leave, so uh, we closed anywhere from one thirty to 2 o'clock typically. Event weekends will stay open a little bit later. The band will play later, um, sometimes up to 2.30 in the morning. I believe it was near 2 o'clock, and the four of them walked out of the front door, fish slips. I was standing in front. Um, typically as I do just to observe people leaving if they're getting in boats or they're going to the the parking lot or if they're going to
0: house. But Bricks was with them, and we're going to talk about Brix. Bricks is the one who's flown under the radar, and then we find out from the houseboat people that he was on the cliff that night. Nobody's ever known that. Ryan did not know that until you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We have two witnesses that saw him go over, and then the next morning saw him come back. Hmm, let's put this story in context. Bricks, Hannah, Chris, and Aaron have just come from the cliff to the houseboat. They're using their lift. The houseboat people wonder where Lauren is. Bricks says she went back to Fish Lips. Now Chris Yarchak said no one went back to Fish Lips. And don't you think Chris Yarchak would recognize Lauren?
1: I went over for the next morning. And they were using the back of the houseboat to raise the canoe up and down. That's how they were getting on and off the dock. Mm -hmm. And the next, well, he saw Aaron take Lauren and Hannah over to the bluff and then turn right back around and came back to the houseboat. They put Chris Stout face down, whatever, he was passed out drunk in the canoe. And then Bricks and Aaron went the next morning, between 8 and 9, they heard the canoe being the lifted on the back of their houseboat. The girl comes out, and she goes, and there's four of them. And she said, well, where's Lauren? And Bricks goes, oh, she went back to the club last night.
2: But why were they using that houseboat? Did they know those people?
1: They were giving them moonshine. Bricks bought a, a big cooler of moonshine, oh. and that's what he was using as a favor, mm-hmm. paying them off in moonshine. To use the
0: lift. Oh, the okay. Side. Chris has passed out on the houseboat. So when you saw the four of them Britt.
2: I mean, uh, yeah, short, brown hair. Yep. Shorter kid. The yep. boat kid. Yeah. The, the boat. guy that owned the boat. He
0: yeah. did own the boat. Yes. I forgot about He's that. The boat. Okay, so yep.
1: right. Yeah, so, okay. Houseboat people, they had seen the kids again in the afternoon and said, where's Lauren? And they said, oh, well, we think now she went off with uh, her ex-boyfriend after the whole day passed.
0: So now the story's changed to the houseboat people that Lauren went off with the ex-boyfriend. And as we all know, that didn't happen. So we've been up to the cliff more than once. Mm-hmm. And I've been up there with you. Thank God you were there. If somebody fell from that cliff and screamed or something, you could hear the noise travel, the voice travel, correct? Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah, you would, you would absolutely hear it immediately. I mean that's it's just a bowl back there, so uh, no matter either side, as quiet as it is. You know, at two to three in the morning, everybody's done, everything's stopped, everything's quiet. It's absolutely, hear it off the water, come out of the cove on either side of the camp, the cove they were camping on. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could hear it. I mean, it's-
0: could you hear a splash if something splashed?
2: On the front side facing the marina, I don't doubt that you'd be able to hear that from fish lips. Um, on the back side, I don't know by the time that carried over, but then again, you're not gonna hit water from the backside anyway. So
0: good point. Chris Yarchak just said you're not gonna hit the water from the back side of the cliff. Because of the slope, you're not going to hit the water. Talk about the dummy test. How hard we tried to get it to the, how we, notice I'm putting we, even though you did all the work. So <laughs> you did all the work, even with the buoy. I mean, we couldn't even get the buoy down there.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we attempted multiple times with multiple dummies, buoys, fenders. I mean, there's just, we you, were unsuccessful in getting any of our test objects wet.
0: The famous dummy tests. I generally like to reenact what I've been told happened. So what I did with Chris Yarchuk and several other people, took the dummy and over and over and over threw it in different areas. Sheriff Patrick Ray made fun of that, but I didn't see Sheriff Patrick Ray or anybody in DeKalb County trying to figure out what happened that night. Shame on him for making fun of that. He should have been up there doing it. So what time did you arrive at Wakefest on Sunday? Uh, Sunday I, I
2: I think I came back around somewhere between three and four o'clock the next day. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't home long. I lived 30 minutes away, so I went home, showered, slept, got up, got dressed, came back. I mean it, it typically it's I'm just there all weekend. I wasn't there very long. An hour, an hour and a half before um, Harry came and got me, and said that the fisherman said there was an eight-year-old girl floating in the cove.
0: What were you doing before then? Before he came and got you?
2: Um, I was just at the marina, making rounds, looking, walking the dock, watching, you know, wandering around uh, fish lips, just looking, watching people, see what's going on, what's coming in, what time the events are scheduled, what time they're going to be done coming in, doing prize monies, whatever. Just.
0: Did you see anybody come off the cliff?
2: I, I, no, I mean, the only thing I noticed of that cliff all weekend was just the tent, tarp, and hammocks. It's not my responsibility, it's not our property, it doesn't belong to fish Lips. it doesn't, it's just, that's just an area. And I'd never seen anybody camp there before, but they're up there, and, you know, my predominant area of interest is the docks, the boats, the people on the docks and the boats (laughs) coming and going.
0: Now, that's federal land, correct?
2: Um. Army Corps Engineers, I believe it is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's the federal.
0: So when you get there, and you're there for an hour and a half before Harry came to get you, did anybody come up saying there was a friend of theirs missing, or they can't find Lauren, you know who she was, and, you know.
2: No, no one had reported it. No one, I hadn't heard of anything at all. I mean, and and I'm walking around the dock and seeing everybody, and...
0: Did you have any words with... Aaron that were cross or Hannah that were cross to make him think you weren't a friendly guy. No, not
2: not that I. I really didn't speak to him much prior to the discovery of the body. I mean, I was just around them, near them, passing in passing, but I didn't. I don't recall having any conversations, or I made may have said hi to Hannah if Lauren introduced her, I believe, but but just not. Other than that, then there's the uh, taped interview in front of the houseboat with Hannah after. The body was
0: found. Daily Harvest is a sponsor of Without Warning. I was so excited when my box of Daily Harvest arrived. I am sitting here with my oat bowl that I just made in eight minutes. Daily Harvest stays in your freezer until you're ready to use it. You take it out of the freezer... You take off the top, you pour in almond milk, you can put it on the stove like I do, and eight minutes later you have a quality meal. All of daily harvest ingredients are carefully sourced for maximum nourishment and flavor. You can actually see all of the ingredients when you open the cup. Daily Harvest is the easiest, most delicious way to load up on fruits and vegetables first thing in the morning, before bed, and anytime in between. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code WOW to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code WOW for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com. I'm excited to announce that Third Love has just come on board to sponsor Without Warning. The best part about Third Love is they investigated what women need and want in their bras. Researching bra companies, you're going to find that Third Love is setting a new standard on inclusive sizing. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken the Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shapes in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. The fabric is so fantastic. The Fit Finder quiz takes that awkwardness of going to the store and getting fitted out of the equation. You answer a few questions and then poof, a box arrives with your bras in it and when you unbox these bras you are going to be amazed at how nice the fabric is the fit and fabric are to perfection third love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone so right now they are offering without warning listeners 15% off your first order go to thirdlove.com/warning now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase That's thirdlove.com slash warning for 15% off today. Let's support the sponsors that support without warning. Wouldn't it make sense, since you saw her the night before, you were talking to her, the kids saw you talking to her, Mm -hmm. that they would go to you?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in being within five feet of Hannah and Aaron and Chris and Lauren, maybe their standoffish behavior Uh, was because I was a law enforcement officer. Lauren was happy and excited and interested and wanting to know about a possible future. And then the other ones obviously have had a few run-ins with the law, maybe don't particularly care for me. So uh, in my professional capacity, but common sense says, hey, oh, that's the cop from last night. Let's tell him, ask him if he's seen her. That's common sense. Did you have any significant conversation with Hannah before? Nothing, I didn't. I don't recall having any conversation with her ex- except for the one on front of the houseboat that w- was a legitimate conversation of, that was just insignificant in passing.
0: Let's go through that scene. You, Harry comes to get you,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you walk where? Take me down the dock or where you went.
2: Um, left the restaurant and walk, ran to the marina, got on the pontoon boat, and immediately took off out Um back to where the body was reported to be found.
0: And the pontoon boat is parked? Uh, just uh,
2: next to the marina store. Right. Typically, depending on where the body is and how far along it's decomposed, we bag them at the bottom and then pull them up, hand them off to DRA, and then they'll, two or three of those guys will lift the bag up and smash the so water drains out, leaving just the body. And it's always face up.
0: So to that point, they used a hook, some big hook to pull her. Did you see that? I am going to post that picture because it's so infuriating. We can do better, people. We can do better. Do police officers have contact with the medical examiner where they say, I think she fell off the cliff, she was drunk, it's not a case? Do they have that ability mm-hmm. so they can talk with the medical examiner? I've
2: been on the phone with our medical examiner in White County multiple
0: times. Okay. So you could influence, do you think?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Medical Examiner will go off based on our recommendation or what we see or feel on scene. But majority of the time, they have a license and they have an obligation to make the correct call. But in smaller departments, and smaller counties, you know the people. You went to school with them. The kids go to school together.
0: I feel like the Medical Examiner, along with many other people, let Lorne down. It is a well-known fact that a police officer can dictate to the medical examiner what happened. I personally believe that's what happened in this case. I believe Jeremy Taylor called over there, said she was drunk and fell off a cliff. End of story. So in Tennessee, they, the um, law is they have to have a coroner or medical examiner to pronounce the, the person dead. Lauren was not pronounced dead at the scene She was transported to the hospital. Is that unusual?
2: Uh, In my experience, dealing with multiple deaths, depending on if the county medical examiner is available, if they're on something else, depending on what law enforcement sees, we need you to come to the scene and pronounce. Sometimes if it's a natural cause death in a home, um, someone's falling asleep, hey, I woke up, mom's not moving, she's cold. The medical examiner will say, what do you have? So law enforcement says, well, it was reported that she had dinner. She went and laid down. The the husband or the kids just found her. And it's seven hours later. She's in bed. The bed's still made. Nothing out of place here. Okay, transport, will pronounce. Or let me get there and I'll pronounce if I feel like there's nothing to be. And just depending on what the cause of death is, um, depends on the medical examiner's office coming to the scene or not
0: just for the record do you think lauren drowned
2: no part of me believes that lauren ag drowned Uh, the cause of death is not from drowning no yeah people that fall in water and drown initially don't float um depending on the water temperature and and how deep they are but um she was floating from her bottom to the top of her head at the water level so um, in my experience as a recovery diver for years and years. just looking at it as she didn't drown. I knew immediately she didn't drown.
0: The V on Lauren's stomach continues to be a controversy. I will be discussing the V with John Lorden and Gray Hughes in another episode. We finally got to see the rescue boat um, through freedom of information. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they they made it available to us and went Sheriff Ray said it was from the storage locker. And so yeah did you when you saw the the canoe what made you think that's a canoe mark
2: well just the front it's a wider area over Mm -hmm. that overlays that and it has the handle built into it so you can lift the front and lift at the rear Mm -hmm. and that is a 45 degree not a 90 degree so any corners on storage lockers any corners on boat coolers are 40 or 90 degree corners not a 45 degree corner and the handle (laughs) on a canoe. A typical, because it's mm-hmm. about two inches wide, it goes over the back, the corner and back, and then there's a, a hole in it where you can reach and grab, pick up there, or backwards.
0: I don't know. It's not the case. If you're going to lay case. on the
2: corner of a cooler, you're going to have a whole flat area, not a definite outline after lividity.
0: Do you remember which way the current was going, or do if you remember?
2: The dam is at the other end of the lake. The dam is open, and they're letting water out. Current would have been pulling out of the cove, out into the lake.
0: Did you know Jeremy Taylor before this? No. Do you know him now? No. Yeah. I didn't think so. You know, he recorded Cassie Franks for
1: two and a half hours at her work. And we have witnesses, her manager included, that was mad at her because she was supposed to be working and she was being interviewed by this police officer. That's not in the police file at all. He conveniently did not include any of that.
2: Who's Cassie?
1: Cassie is Aaron Lilly's ex-girlfriend. The one that oh, has the choke marks and the bite.
2: I knew the name, but I could. Who was the lady on the front of the boat with Hannah?
0: Deanna, oh, Deanna Walker Martin.
2: Yeah. And that's a relative to who?
0: Not a
1: relative. Her son, Austin Martin, is friends with Aaron
2: Lilly. So how does she get there? Who called her? I mean, I... Exactly.
0: We don't understand. That. She don't just understand. showed up
2: out of nowhere and she's coddling Hannah.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't understand that at all. And that's
2: the other voice in the recording.
0: Right.
1: Talking to.
0: I've gotten eyewitness statements of how this woman got on the boat. We'll discuss it in another episode. And there's also a voice, another voice, that's Bricks, saying, do we need to, what was it, do we need to ID the her body? Do you remember him on the boat?
2: No. There was a, <laughs> a TWA officer with me. Hannah conducted herself there. I and mean, what, how did turn out? Yeah, to me it was acting.
0: I you know, didn't you know what that looks like. You know oh, that. yeah. No, yeah. Because I've yeah. seen the
2: guys on live PD say, those are not duck tears, You're not, you know. Like, right. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's the that's well, real trick of the trade, right? And I've always been able to um, just really be perceptive and read people. So even in uh, my police science classes, I got 101 interview and interrogation tactics for body reading, movement, pulses, twitches, eyes, posture, uh, tone breaks, and voices. I mean, I've. I noticed hers changes, you know, it, 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 like when she forgets, she goes back yeah. to kind of a... She leaves the acting, backs up to the, i got to catch up here, and then normal voice, and then goes back into the acting voice multiple times. You didn't have any reason to disbelieve what she was saying at the time, right? Uh, well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd so already seen the body. and like there's what? you don't go pee and come up, and end up like this. Oh, okay, okay. Um, at that point, I hadn't seen the mark of the canoe mark. I hadn't seen the front side of the body just face down, seeing the shoulder, left shoulder, back of the head. And I'm like, that's it's not... You didn't, you didn't fall down.
0: That's why you taped it, is you had a suspicion. Yeah, I, yeah.
2: Right, which I guess gives you an advantage if you're then talking with this yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, like, I'm okay, just in nonchalant. Like, I'm texting and talk, looking around. And, okay, cool. So what's your address? I mean, just... I do not want her to feel threatened by the questions and I wanted her just to say, just dump it all. That's why I did that.
0: Did she seem drunk or under the influence of anything when you were talking to her that day on the boat? Hannah? Yeah.
2: No, she, she Hannah didn't seem, I mean, she just, she was faking it until she makes it to me.
0: So when I went to interview Hannah down in Florida, one of the things that Aaron Lilly said, was Jeremy Taylor told him not to take a polygraph because he would fail it. Is that something that a police officer should tell somebody in, in a case?
2: Uh, no. It sounds like a, an officer coaching someone to keep them from incriminating themselves, which it goes against the whole purpose of being a police officer, in my professional opinion. I'm not going to let you know the tricks to the trade because I got to use them on you to get.
0: Um, and would it be normal for Jeremy Taylor and Aaron to have communications after the case was closed? He said that they were talking all the time.
2: Um, under no circumstances do you share information with a possible suspect or no. I mean, no, 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 You, you know
0: That would be unusual, right?
2: Very unusual. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. No.
0: <laughs> is that a no? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a <laughs> that's a hard no. Yeah. It's <laughs> a hard a, no. Yeah. No. I mean, do you always hear about police officers having one case that haunts them? Is this one, or is it one of many?
2: Um, this one, I, for obvious reasons, stands out in my mind the most because I, I wasn't able to handle it, the case was out of my jurisdiction on um, so many things that I saw that I would have done differently. So many more things I would spend more time on to dissect, to, to get all the truths available at the time of, of, of availability. Um, and because of timing, because of an improper collection of certain things I would have found as evidence, you don't have the answers to the questions like you would have if it was handled differently and you treated it like a crime scene until you proved it otherwise. This is one case that I feel I had all the right components and all the right people and all the right timing, but I could do nothing with it. It's a helpless feeling. For me, part of me wanted to reach out to Sherry and part of me didn't want to ever see her.
0: One of the things that I asked Ryan was, what would you have done, like the top two things differently if you two were in charge of the investigation?
2: Leave stuff where it's at is the first thing. Uh, First thing, obviously, you you preserve preserve the scene um, and then you leave stuff where it's at. You properly photograph your way in You photograph your way out, you bag everything, anything could be something. You detain and and in-depthly question those who were last seen with the person separately. You get them all and you separate them immediately. You ask them all the same questions. They have the same answers, okay. Um, there's going to be different variations of answers because everybody doesn't answer the same question with the same verbiage uh, unless it's rehearsed.
0: Is it unusual for someone to take 11 to 9 minutes, 9 minutes on one, 11 minutes on another, to write a paragraph on a...
2: No, I mean, you know what you saw, you know what you smelled, you know what you tasted, you know what you felt. I mean, it should be pretty... I mean, unless, depending on the... um, emotional status, education level, the ability to read and write and understand based on certain things that really a normal everyday person, four to seven sentences, you're probably maxing out at three minutes, I would say. If you're on camera or if the recording, I mean, that's your mark. You made your mark. You don't write your full name. You still signed it. But, yeah, I mean, that it would be a tactic someone would try to use to say, well, that's not me, I'm not Lil. It's a technicality they would try to argue with a defense attorney.
0: Or you couldn't, I was thinking that maybe you couldn't research or pull his records because you think it's Aaron Lil. Mm-hmm. It's another tactic is what I was thinking. Yeah. And also being a parent and the father of daughters, how does that affect you?
2: I two daughters of my own, obviously younger in years than Lauren. Um, had it been my, one of my children, I'd want someone to fight for them. Had it been my mom or my buddy's wife or my buddy's kid, or I'd take it you take a vested interest in cases like these because it could be you, you know, so you, you don't leave any stone unturned. You do your due diligence. You do the best you can. You do everything you've been trained to do. And if you don't know, you ask and you get help. Higher power agency needs to come in and to DeKalb County pull every speck of anything that has to do with this case. They need to pull every speck of anything uh, requested by the county for TBI, for DNA, for blood, for alcohol, for whatever they tested for. They need to pull that. They need to pull the people that did the testing. Who did you speak to? What did they ask? What did they want? Was anything out of the ordinary? This needs to be fine tooth combed, every aspect, every single letter of this case needs to be looked at how was it
0: today seeing sherry was that hard for you
2: um it was easier today because um watching some of the shows that she's done uh speaking out for lauren so i kind of could identify with her obviously only on camera previously so but had had i not seen her on tv or not heard her voice or previously it probably would have been a lot harder um, but I feel like because of the common interest we share, obviously there's going to be a connection. It's definitely harder talking about it in front of a parent. And I had never professionally shed a tear before today. But
0: I don't know how you don't. I mean, you gave her a lot of peace. She wanted so bad to meet you. And she was really happy that it worked out that she could. Mm-hmm. She wanted to thank you, which, you know, I know she did. Special thanks to the men and women in blue that are like Chris Yarchuk and Ryan Melanson, who risk everything by doing the right thing. The next few episodes, I will be discussing the judicial system and what Sherry has gone through in order to get her daughter's case heard. As always, I want to thank you for listening and also sharing this story in this case. It's making a difference. Please support the sponsors that are supporting Without Warning. Daily Harvest, Third Love, and Zip Recruiters. If you want to help Lauren Agee in her case, pass it on to listeners and write Governor Bill Lee and ask him to look at this case. Tennessee can do better.
1: Lauren's family gives their full permission for any and all details to be shared in hope that the truth will come out. If you know anything at all, call 1-888-599-0008 or email tips at SheilaWysocki.com.